0: Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 1st of November, 2021, the 26th of Cheshvan 5782. Hope you are safe, hope you are well in your part of the world. Coming to you this Monday morning from Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the Jewish people and the state of Israel, just outside the walls of the old city. Get in touch with me during the week, josh at thelandofisrael.com on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter as well. And um, and I hope to see you soon here in this country very soon. We'll get to that story a little bit later on in terms of the fact that Israel is starting to open skies for tourists. We'll get into the, the details a little bit later. But something we've, we uh, brought up in last week's show, the whole issue of the U.S. government, the Biden administration, the State Department, wanting to open a diplomatic mission for the Palestinian Authority in Jerusalem. Now, I covered this um, this past week for JNS News. There was a demonstration outside the former consulate on Agron Street, led by the Sovereignty Movement and about 20 other organizations, protesting the um, the will of the Biden administration to open... By the way, you can say reopen a consulate, but this would be the first time that a specific mission was opened for the Palestinian Authority in Jerusalem. And it looks like, I mean, based on international law, of course, Israeli law, American law, it looks like the Americans understand now. I could be wrong, but it looks like they understand that Israel has to uh, approve such a move. And the Israeli government, really the balls in their court to block, to block this preposterous idea, a basically the beginning of the division of Jerusalem. That's essentially what this move would mean, either in the real world or symbolically, um, if not both. But this would be a horrible, horrible decision if the Israeli government caved and allowed the Biden administration to open An official diplomatic diplomatic mission for a foreign entity, a hostile entity, as well, the Palestinian authority in Jerusalem, whether it's in the western side of the city or the eastern side of the city, either way, there is no reason that this should happen at all. So, again, there was a demonstration, a protest, and it looks like there's going to be a protest every week outside the old consulate building on Agron Street. Um calling on, number one, the U.S. administration to get off this idea, and number two, on the Israeli government not to approve this. uh, You know, it seems like it could be a small matter in, in some people's views, but I think this is a huge, huge story. We're talking about the division of Jerusalem. We're talking about undoing the Trump administration, recognizing... Jerusalem as Israel's eternal, undivided capital. So the, I think this is a huge, huge story. Um, Israel Hayom newspaper reported that certain Democratic members of, US, of the U.S. Congress are actually expected to ask President Biden not to open the consulate, a Palestinian Authority consulate in Jerusalem. Um, you had this past week a group of Republicans draft some sort of bill asking a 35 Republican senators introducing a bill to stop the move, um, up until now unable to garner support from the Democrats. But here, according to this report by Israel Ayom, um, there was a meeting held between Democratic representatives and the Binyamin Regional Council head, Israel Gantz, along with my friend Ruthie Lieberman, who does amazing work in terms of U.S.-Israel ties at the meeting, according to this report. Uh, Lieberman, and Israel Gans, the head of the Benjamin Regional Council, explained that opening the consulate would send a message of support for the future division of Jerusalem, and explained such a move was contrary to accepted diplomatic policy and violation a violation of Israeli and U.S. law, and also international law, by the way. So some Democrats will see what happens. Well, let's see if this happens or not. Let's see who are the ones in the Democratic Party who are going to go public in making this officially making this a nonpartisan issue. Okay, of course, opening a PA consulate would represent, as I said before, the Biden administration's desire to divide the city, divide Jerusalem, illegal, even though it's an illegal move. Let's hope our leaders stick to their guns on this issue, folks. Let's hope that is the case. There's absolutely no need. If they want to open something, okay, go open it in Ramallah, if you really need to have it. All right, go open it, Ramallah. You're not opening it here in Jerusalem. That would be a terrible idea. Another news item here, Israel HaYom crediting I-24 as the source. And I've seen this in several different media outlets. Israel's UN, UN envoy, Gilad Erdan, tears up the UNHRC report in a General Assembly speech, invoking historic UN's, a historic UN speech by late President Chaim Herzog, uh, Israel's ambassador to the UN, Gilad Erdan, says that the annual anti-Israel report of the UNHRC belongs in the dustbin of, of in the dustbin of anti-Semitism. Erdan tore up during his speech he tore up the United Nations Human Rights Council's annual report at a special General Assembly hearing in New York this past Friday. According to Erdan, the Human Rights Council has condemned Israel 95 times compared to 142 against all the other countries in the world combined since its establishment 15 years ago. And by the way, the UN Human Rights Council, of course, has a line item each and every time they meet to talk about the situation. And Israel, no other country, has such a line item. So Erdan... With the theatrics there the necessary theatrics tearing up this report at the general assembly saying it belonged in the dustbin of anti-semitism he ripped it up and he left this was a good move by erdan because of course the unhrc is an anti-israel body an anti-semitic body because when you hold israel to a different standard the jewish the one and only jewish nation That is anti-Semitism by definition. Iran is in the news, as it is almost each and every day. Also, Israel Hayom here, the source, U.S. President Joe Biden on Saturday said that nuclear talks with Iran would resume, even as he and European leaders warned Tehran that accelerated and provocative nuclear steps it has taken will jeopardize its return to compliance under the 2015, the bad, I will add, the bad 2015 nuclear agreement. So here you have a meeting with uh, British PM Boris Johnson, French President Emmanuel Macron, outgoing German Chancellor Angela Merkel, and U.S. President Biden, who met while at the G20 summit in Rome, calling on the Iranian president, um... To seize this is their their message is that the Iranian President should seize this opportunity and return to a good faith effort to conclude negotiations as a matter of urgency. Listen to the way they are begging this is not how it works here in the Middle East folks. you don't beg the Iranian president racy to come back to talks. They don't respect that, and by the way um. Of course, I think it's a terrible idea if Iran returns to negotiations because the deal itself is bad. The deal itself paves a path towards nuclear weapons, even if the Iranians uphold the deal. But here you have four leaders of the Western world, essentially, begging Iran to come to the table, begging them. Okay, even as they admit, they say Iran is accelerating their nuclear steps, but come to the table. For what? To rejoin the bad nuclear agreement. So Iran wins here, folks. The West is groveling with them to come back to the table. Whether or not they come back, whether they rejoin the deal or not, they are still on the path towards nuclear weapons. It's looking, folks, more and more like Israel will have to deal with Iran on its own, perhaps with the support now, either directly or indirectly, of the Gulf states. But this is a bad sign to grovel in front of the mullahs or the president of Iran. That's not how you do business in the Middle East. Um, but this is this is the world we're in today, folks. This is the craziness and the mad world we're in today. Uh, the Jerusalem Post reported that uh, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett brought up former U.S. President Ronald Reagan's Star Wars program in terms of uh, a model in countering the Iranian nuclear threat. Bennett made these comments ahead of meetings, uh, of meeting parties, um, who want to get Iran back into the deal at the UN Climate Conference this week in Glasgow. Bennett said he plans on outspending, this is the plan, he plans on outspending Iran. He told the Times of London, um, He repeated his comparison between the Israel-Iran conflict and the Cold War between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. He said the parallel is what Reagan did. Reagan didn't have to bomb Moscow. So on one hand, it looks like Bennett's plan is, as he says here, to use all our energy, our innovation, technology, and economy to get to a point where we are a number of steps ahead of Iran. All right, so on one hand, it looks like Israel is not prepared to militarily intervene and attack Iran. Just like Reagan, as he says, Reagan didn't have to bomb Moscow. On the other hand, the prime minister's remarks come as the Israeli Air Force has been preparing uh, for a potential strike on Iran's nuclear program. Recent reports saying Israel is seeking the bunker buster bombs that the U.S. Air Force successfully tested earlier this month as well as aircraft necessary to carry them. So on one hand, Bennett says, we don't necessarily have to, we could, uh, act, we could be like Ronald Reagan, as Reagan did, using American military superiority, crippling the Soviet economy, which contributed to the end of the Cold War. We can take that approach. And on the other hand, Israel is pr- potentially, again, potentially preparing for other methods in terms of stopping the mullahs in Iran. We'll see, folks. We'll see what happens. Sticking on the subject of Iran, Times of Israel reported that the Israel Defense Forces General, tasked with countering Iran, gave the military's first-ever interview to a Bahraini newspaper on Sunday, hailing the ties between the two countries and discussing the threats posed by Tehran and its nuclear program. In his interview with Behran's al uh, newspaper, Major General Tal Kalman said Israel preferred a diplomatic solution to halt Tehran's nuclear ambitions, despite Iran's current intransigence intransigence, on the matter. That's a hard word. But warned that Israel was pressing for other scenarios should those negotiations fail, apparently alluding to a possible military strike. Kalman said that Iran's nuclear program represented a threat not only to Israel, but to the entire world. And for those of you listening to this program, that is the reality. Is the little Satan first—that's what they call Israel, the Jewish state—and then is the big Satan, the United States, and really the rest of the world, the Gulf states, and everyone else should be nervous about Iran. Should do what has to be done to disable uh, the Iranian terror threat and the Iranian nuclear threat. Transigence, thats the word. If I got it wrong before. Here on the uh, on the local scene, Israel National News is reporting possible ties to Hamas between a Knesset party within the Israeli government, question mark. The the organization, and they do amazing work, Ad Khan, they go undercover and expose the haters of Israel. The Ad Khan organization, together with the Choose Life Forum for Bereaved Families, revealed over the weekend on Channel 13 how elements in the Islamic movement, who are also senior members of the United Arab List Party, helped... And, and helped draft the party's coalition agreement, acted to transfer funds to Hamas through a nonprofit organization. The investigation shows that Rezi Issa, a senior member of the UAL party, who serves, among other things, as chairman of the Islamic Movement's General Assembly, that sets the UAL's list for the Knesset, and as a member of the Shura Council, he visited Gaza as his position uh of director of this non-profit organization and during his visit he met with senior hamas officials who publicly thanked the organization for its contribution to gaza so here you have a potential connection between the united arab list again, again that's a member of the israeli government run by Mansour abbas okay between his party okay and Hamas, there's a, according to Ad Khan, there's a connection there between, it's crazy, a party in the Israeli government, of course, Mansour Abbas denying this connection, saying a connection between his party and the United, his party rather, Hamas doesn't exist, Um, even as a senior United Arab List official was documented at a conference in Gaza with a senior Hamas terrorist. Abbas said, this is his, his argument, and it sounds really weak. He said, you can, he said, you too can be with someone you do not know or have not invited. As if there was, you know, some chance encounter. Like his, his guy here who helped put together the Knesset list for the party. Okay. Ha- maybe just happened to be in a room with some Hamas members and he didn't know about it. Uh, Maybe he wasn't invited. He just was there. He could have been there. Maybe he wasn't there. He didn't know he was there. It sounds like a Jackie Mason routine here. Sounds like a Jackie Mason skit. This whole nonsense. Sounds like, but it's it's really a pretty weak defense. So here, Ad Khan saying, again, a party in the Israeli government with potential connections to senior Hamas members. Crazy world, folks crazy world we are living in. Uh Israel national news reported today that an Arab terrorist, here's listen, this is you want to talk about taking advantage of Israel being nice. Maybe you could say being weak. Unfortunately, an Arab terrorist from Gaza was arrested recently in connection with a string of arson attacks in central Israel. Israeli mil- military censors cleared the man's identity for publication this morning revealing that a, 29, a 29-year-old, I'm not even going to mention his name, a resident of Khan Yunus, which is in Gaza, he was arrested on suspicion that he carried out a number of arson attacks in the Israeli central city of Ramle. That's not too far away from Ben Gurion Airport. So how did he pull this off? Well, he entered, this 29-year-old from Khan Yunus in Gaza, entered Israel legally in January using an entry permit issued for humanitarian reasons. The guy's mother got a permanent to Israel for medical treatment, and this guy accompanied her, this 29-year-old terrorist. And after the treatment was completed, he stayed in Israel illegally. Okay, and he revealed during interrogation that he set fire to uh, multiple, uh, to a bus, and to Jews' uh, sukkahs, those structures used on the holiday of Sukkot. Also he revealed that he was uh, he was planning additional attacks and working with the Alaksa Martyrs Brigade that's a division of the Fatah terrorist group by the way you know Fatah Mahmoud Abbas's party and they had all these plans of shooting and stabbing and kidnapping all these plans so thank god this terrorist from Gaza was arrested but again Israel allowing humanitarian aid for the people of Gaza and this is not the first time we've seen it I remember the woman this must have been 15 years ago from Gaza, who was allowed into a, an Israeli hospital to receive treatment. And then she had plans of detonating a suicide, uh, becoming a a homicide bomber, if you will, in that very same hospital, taking advantage of Israel's humanitarian um, permits and carrying out a bombing. So she was caught, and thank God this terrorist was caught as well. But, uh, it, you know... Ironic that Israel gets accused of all these different horrible things of carrying out genocides and apartheids and all this other stuff when, in fact, Israel is allowing humanitarian assistance to these people and some of them, like this, terrorist, take advantage of it and carry out arson terror attacks in the middle of the country uh, after his mom got treatment in an Israeli hospital. Just insane. So I started the show off by talking about the fact that Israel was now reopening its, uh, its borders, if you will. Uh, this takes effect today. And again, it's, it's very complicated. Uh, from what I understand, I understand there was some craziness last night that it almost didn't happen. But according to this report, today on Monday, Israel reopened. Uh, you are allowed to fly to Israel If you are a vaccinated tourist, uh, several hotels are opening up today as a result. And there are all these different rules. And I'm not going to go through all the rules. You're going to have to look them up online. But uh, tourists who are fully vaccinated one or two weeks after the second dose, depending on the vaccine, all these different criteria. The vaccine had to be approved by the World Health Organization, all these different criteria. We're not going to get into the specifics. It's very confusing and very complicated. But in theory, this sounds like the beginning of tourists back in Israel, which is huge because it's been over a year and a half, really, um, other than those who had immediate family here, everyone else not allowed into Israel. And please God, the tourism industry will, um, will make a comeback after such a hard hit as a result of the coronavirus. Our weekly anti-Semitism report here, Israel National News reports that vandals broke into a frat house in Washington, D.C. at um, George Washington University and apparently damaged a Torah, a Torah scroll and other Jewish books. Uh, The Jewish on campus group, which was made aware of the incident, uh, revealed this to the media and released a picture of the Torah scroll, which was torn up and covered in bleach or some kind of laundry detergent. This is what's going on in universities in the United States, or at least at one university here, George Washington University, breaking into a synagogue and vandalizing and desecrating and destroying a Torah scroll. Uh, We are horrified. This is the... uh, The president of the university, Thomas LeBlanc, condemning the incident, saying we are horrified to hear that a predominantly Jewish fraternity at George Washington was broken into and vandalized and their Torah was destroyed. The school is working with local police, he said. So there's your weekly anti-Semitism report. I mean, we talk about anti-Semitism all the time. Unfortunately, I think it's uh, sad that anti-Semitic attacks, which take place in Israel, are not called anti-Semitic attacks because they happened here. But they are. It's um, different individuals sometimes. But here it's the jihadists carrying out attacks on Jews because they're Jews. Like the daily rock throwing which takes place here. Those are anti-Semitic attacks. I don't know how else to define those. You can call them terror attacks if you want. But let's not downplay them and not count them as anti-Semitic attacks just because they happen here in Israel. That's my opinion. I've talked about this before. Switching to the positive Jerusalem Post reported yesterday that Israel's Oravax Medical uh, Company announced that it has received clearance from the South African Health Products Regulatory Authority to begin enrolling volunteers for a phase one clinical trial of its oral COVID-19 vaccine. Oravax Medicals, a subsidiary of OraMed Pharmaceuticals run by Israeli CEO and a friend of mine Nadav Kidron. This is amazing stuff. The company was founded based on technology developed in Jerusalem's Hadassah University Medical Center. Amazing. All right. So they are starting clinical trials on a an oral vaccine made in Israel. Okay? And they believe, and Nadav Kidron here is quoted as saying they believe that the vaccine candidate could offer an exciting potential solution to the COVID pandemic, whether it was a booster or for the unvaccinated. And according to Nadav Kidron, this vaccine should be much more resistant to COVID-19 variants. This is Israeli technology, trials being conducted in South Africa. I don't know if that means that they're going to introduce the product after all the trials are done in South Africa first. But if that's the case, um, I mean, if you live in South Africa or anywhere else, really, and you are an Israel hater and you think that Israel is an apartheid state like your country, South Africa, used to be, don't get involved in this vaccine trial. Don't take this vaccine once it's approved. Don't be a, crip- uh, a hypocrite. If you are a BDS anti-Israel hater, do not take this Oravax oral COVID-19 vaccine because then you would... Be an absolute BDS hypocrite. You can't. You can't do it. You can't call out Israel, accuse Israel of being an apartheid state, and boycott our products, and then take or utilize any technologies that come out of Israel or anything that that helps you uh, and helps your health and helps the health of your families. Don't be a hypocrite, folks. If you're a hater, stay a hater and stay away from any of these products. And while you're at it, of course, throw away your laptop and your cell phone and everything else because most likely that was also made in Israel. Finishing off today's show, 20,000 runners participated in the Jerusalem Marathon and the other various runs which took place in the city, the capital city this past Friday. Of course, they had the full marathon, the half marathon, the 10K, 5K, a family race, uh, 800 meter community race, whatever race which took place or, or you participated in, congratulations to all of those who ran. Doesn't matter how far you went, doesn't matter your time, but the fact that you have 20,000 people, and people, by the way, from what I understand, came from uh, different countries. I'm not sure how they got in with all the coronavirus regulations, but apparently they did. Uh, along with thousands of Israelis running through the streets of Jerusalem. I understand it's a very hard marathon because of all the hills in Jerusalem. But nevertheless, 20,000 runners once again. I I believe that last year's event was uh, canceled because of the virus, because of the pandemic. But Jerusalem Marathon back back again with 20,000 runners through our eternal ancestral capital city that's great news that's going to do it for today shout out to tabitha epstein for everything she does behind the scenes ben Bresky, engineer extraordinaire these shows could not be put together along with all the other shows on the land of israel network without the work of ben and tabitha so thank you so much Uh, my name is josh Haston. this has been another edition of israel uncensored on the land of israel network at the land of get in touch with me during the week josh at the land of Israel.com on facebook joshua Hasten on or josh Hasten israel advocacy and journalism on twitter at josh Hasten and on instagram as well most importantly everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours between now and when we speak again next week please god everyone out there be safe shalom shalom from just outside the walls of the old city of jerusalem so close to the temple mount where i'm sitting judaism's holiest site be safe be healthy have a great week everybody shalom shalom We believe and affirm that the Messiah will come, says the Rambam in the 12th of his 13 principles. If he delays, wait for him. He will surely come. Now, I wouldn't presume to know how this story ends, but I've been telling it since what I see to be the beginning. I'm Rav Mike Foyer, and this is The Jewish Story. Listen to The Jewish Story with Rav Mike Foyer on thelandofisrael.com.